Hi everyone, happy Friday. Another week, another episode from the Friends of France podcast. It has been a freezing week for New York City so far, and it makes me think of how, when I was younger, I could just wear a t-shirt or even a tank top in the cold and feel nothing. Absolutely nothing. But now, even when I am bundled up, I feel like my whole body will freeze up. Like, I've never worn a scarf, and now I'm starting to use one. And still, I feel so cold. I mean, I know, it's definitely just me aging, but still, it's cold. <laughs> this makes me think recently, I went on a first date or hangout, whatever it was, several weeks ago, and the person I was with used to be in the army. We were waiting outside for a restaurant seat, and I was like, oh, it's so cold. And they go, you know, when I was in service in Siberia, it's like, god damn, I can't even complain how cold I feel. But kidding aside, the stories they told me about being in the army, all the training, all the limitations with the food and resources, and all the stretching of all capabilities, both physical and mental, made me really think of how fascinating our bodies are. How much we can handle, how much we can introduce to it, and how much it can improve in condition and optimization. I used to take gymnastics classes, and dance, and there were definitely moments of stretched limitations of my body. In short, injury. I've torn my hamstrings when I was younger, and I tore it again a few months ago. I mean, if it was from doing the splits and the concrete floors of Syria, I guess it was worth it, right? And also almost passed away from mere exhaustion of my body even after a dance class. It makes me wonder how much our bodies can take, and how much we could train it to endure more than we previously could. And this is related to our episode today. We hear from a professional athlete who literally bears weight on their body. More weight than I know I could ever handle. But how is it possible? Someone, please tell me. Today, we are joined by an actual superhero, Emily Hu. Graduating with an undergraduate degree in chemical engineering and a master's degree in biomedical engineering, Emily has worked for over a decade as an engineer, directing clinical research and medical device product development. But outside the laboratory in the office, she's a professional athlete, a powerlifter, who has broken four all-time world records, and was even recruited to be a part of Dwayne Johnson The Rock's sports competition show, The Titan Games, back in 2019. Recently, Emily has also become a new author of her new book, The Smart, Simple Guide to a Better Physique. This episode was recorded back in March earlier this year for National Athletic Training and National Nutrition Months, and these are exactly the crux of our episode today. Emily's journey within engineering, the worlds of clinical science and physical science, her journey into powerlifting, and all of the learnings she generously wants to show us about nutrition, fitness, and the full capabilities of our body. Enjoy! Hi! We made it! <laughs> Thank you so much for joining course, me today. I love how like the light is still shining on your background and here it's like this is a ring light so it's so dark here out, outside already I know you're in California right I'm so jealous here in New York it's been it's been a whirlwind of cold and then sometimes you get spring weather and then it's cold again anyways I've been so excited to have this live stream we've been connected for a while now and you know March is National Athletic Training and Nutrition month but outside oh, of that i just nice. really wanted to talk to you about you your journey and your book which i finished which was amazing we'll talk about it more if you could just first introduce yeah, yourself hi, to everyone, everyone please my Thank name is so emily much. who 
I am a clinical research director by day in the medical device and the nutrition industry. And by night, I'm a professional powerlifter. I've had a few world records in powerlifting. And then as of a few months ago, I'm also an author. And my book is about health and fitness, but it's not for powerlifters. It's about health and fitness for everyone, particularly busy people who have like jobs and lives outside of fitness. Yeah, I mean, in, you know, as I was reading the book, it's, I mean, again, we'll talk about this more, but it's just so practical. And, you know, when I was first thinking about it and I was about to start, I'm like, oh my gosh, a world record holder wrote this book. And I felt like it was going to be daunting, but every page is like, wow, I understand this. I, I can do this, you know? But anyways, like you said, by day, <laughs> you are in science and you're in engineering and then by night, you're a professional powerlifter. I wanted to delve more into your journey within the science part, you know, by day, because it is right outside your house right now. I know that you have a bachelor's in chemical engineering and right. master's mm -hmm. in biomedical engineering. First of all, I think it's common knowledge that engineering is like... <laughs> mind breaking well, and mind blowing yeah. and brain bleeding <laughs> i wanted to ask first why engineering what what, what was the inspiration behind taking up yeah. these fields in the sciences especially you know along the lines well, of engineering so, both in bachelor's not to be a stereotype but obviously i'm asian right and my parents obviously they are asian <laughs> and they're asian immigrants to the u.s so i think yeah. their big dreams for their kids were always in this order med school engineering and then law and like med school just didn't really sit Lost right with school. me i didn't think i was like the doctor type but i really like the idea of inventions yeah. So engineering seemed cool. I mean, I grew up mm -hmm. like watching like, I grew up in comics. I liked X-Men. I liked video games. So the idea of like mutants mm -hmm. seemed really cool. Mm -hmm. So chemical and biomedical engineering seemed cool. Chemical engineering, my focus was on making lasers. So I, lasers are futuristic. That's, that's really cool. It was very hard though. And then I, mm -hmm. I found that like, I really liked the natural sciences. So to mix the natural sciences with mm -hmm. engineering, to me, biomedical engineering really did that. Yeah. I mean, I have friends who have also gone through engineering and i mean i guess while i was doing in college as well they would always tell me oh it's so hard you know learning all the sciences oh, yeah, and yeah. all the mathematics involved and also deep sciences as well but i guess all of that like bridges to the work that you do right and i know that you do like medical device development and you've done a lot of research as well can you take us into a day in the life of how work yeah. is and ah, sure. what so, you do unfortunately i feel like these days it's less exciting because i'm not much of an engineer anymore i'm now a manager so you know when i was yeah. younger it would be a lot of experiments mm -hmm. we'd be trying to create something or trying to learn something right this goes very well with my mm -hmm. powerlifting but for a while i was an orthopedics researcher and i researched the effects mm -hmm. devices had on like the knee and we we're trying to learn good ways to treat knee pain mm -hmm. so very often a day would start going into the lab reading like scientific literature trying to see how mm -hmm. that could apply to what you're making and ways that you can make something that yeah. comes close to what the scientific literature says is needed or can be done and that mm -hmm. was a few jobs ago and that mm -hmm. went really well and then these days I feel like I'm a very fancy paper pusher. I look at like clinical test plans. So, you know, with the medical field, you do a lot of human subject research, which is clinical trials, right? Mm -hmm. Clinical trials are so heavily yeah. regulated by the yeah. FDA because yeah. you want to make sure people are safe and not being taken advantage of. So when you have a clinical yeah. trial, you have these mm -hmm. really long detailed test plans and you have to look at the paperwork. Like, what are we testing? Mm -hmm. What are we looking mm -hmm. for? What do we consider efficacy? And then how do we keep this yeah. safe and how do we protect people? Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of paperwork mm -hmm. and it's, it's probably yeah. less engineering now. But, and it's a lot more uh, fancy reports. Yeah, I mean, even then, both the medical and the healthcare fields and all the medical technology and all the scientific branches that deals with people, there's yeah. like 
like you said, so many regulations on it. And also like, hopefully this doesn't harm anyone along the way and stuff like that, right? Through your early years, when you were doing like a lot of researches and more of the hands-on scientific aspect, what do you think was the best part about oh, the best those times and about the work you did? Um, selfishly, the best part was doing orthopedics research. I heard so much about the joints. Yeah. And at this time, I was really getting into powerlifting. Mm. And I was like, oh, everything I learned here about mm. the joints, I can use on myself mm. later, right? Yeah, yeah. Like realistic we were studying the joints yeah. we were studying how can we help old fat brittle people walk again and move again but you know biomechanics are the same across all mm-hmm. people so if you learn it for an unhealthy person you learn it for a healthy person yeah. so like i think part of the reason why i've been able to power lift without much injury is because i had years of working like orthopedics where i had to learn biomechanics and like i said selfishly it was really great for me uh, and you even did, yeah. published uh, mm-hmm. orthopedics research paper right yeah and can you talk more about the yeah Insights uh, so I, at the time, I was in a startup in Silicon Valley, and we we're making a device that treated knee pain. And so, to treat knee pain, you have mm-hmm. to know what you're treating, and you're treating the nerves. But where are the nerves in the knee, and how many are there? Okay. So that we knew how many there were, but where mm-hmm. they were, it was not well established. So we needed to find a method mm-hmm. on how do you find these nerves that cause knee pain for everyone, right? Knowing that everyone's a different like mm-hmm. height and width. So what are reliable ways to find these nerves and then mm-hmm. to treat them? So we found there are four nerves, two nerves that cause the, the knee pain at the top of the knee, and then two nerves that cause the knee pain at the bottom of the knee. Mm-hmm. And we found a reliable method to treat that, and then we made a device. There you go. I mean, as you know, like a lot of our guests here on the live streams on the podcast, they come from scientific backgrounds, or most of them in physicians or researchers. And I think there's a constant echo of just how intricate and complex and beautiful, like, and also yeah. like bewildering the human so body is. Too. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. I know you're more on the managerial side now. Are there so like new topics or concepts that make your brain? like oh this kind of makes me want to go back into more of yeah, the research the stuff and all the hands-on things physical medicine is that sounds like a really unsexy space but to mm. me that's that's really cool because <laughs> it's like studying the science of like healthy human movement versus like unhealthy human movement right and the remedy yeah. for that can be so simple yeah, it could be yeah. as simple as exercise every day and if your gait mm. if the way you walk is healthy mm. then you your chances of aging healthy are so much mm. higher so i like the medicine of aging because a lot of that just happens in to deal with working out mm-hmm. and eating right. And then you can change so much about the way you age just from those two things alone. Yeah, definitely. You know, mm-hmm. I do work in interventional cardiology and many of our patients also come in right. for, you know, lower extremity and leg pain, but more so on the vascular side, more, uh, you know, calcifications in the arteries as opposed to the actual nerves itself indirectly, because as we know that over time, that also comes into play as people age. And most of the reasons why their veins and arteries are calcified in the first place is probably because of sedentary lifestyles or not exercising, especially the very atherosclerotic diet that the American nation has, right? And all just like builds on together. And so, yeah, I super agree with what you say with this concept of aging and how it affects the body and i like what you said about the gait as well like things that you can right, like control yeah. and influence in the years, earlier years so right much of healthy aging is yeah, in our control right well, it's like yeah. um, 
You don't yeah. even have to like hardcore exercise, just move around often and, you know, like yeah. do your best to yeah. not be overweight. You know, it's, I, I mean, I know that's an oversimplification, yeah. but if you can control well, those yeah, yeah. things, then, yeah. you know, aging is going to be a lot yeah. less painful. Yeah. I wanted to actually ask you about, I know you told me mm -hmm. before that you've done derm research as well. Before, you know, I'm very into derm. I had like severe acne back in high school, so... <laughs> I'm very into like skincare. Oh, and yeah. I, I mean, wanted to ask of, more about one that. of uh, actually multiple jobs I've had. I've made dermatology lasers, and then eventually I worked at pharmaceutical companies mm. where I made like Botox and fillers. So I all things derm. I've I've probably done it. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's actually that's why my skin looks so good. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> no Botox yet. Really? But, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, now all of that you're saying is reminding me of what you just said earlier when you were younger. Yeah. Like X-Men, all the lasers. And I wonder how fulfilling it feels to, you know, I guess as a kid being so inspired by comics and X-Men. Now you, you were literally like meddling with yeah. the lasers and all of the technologies, right? With the X-Men cable, he had like this laser gun. And then, you know, like at one point in my career, I, I had a laser in my house and I had the, like the laser handpiece and I was just like firing it on myself. Oh, pretty cool. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. It's like literal superhero. <laughs> I mean, you are a literal superhero. When you first reached out to me and I obviously saw your videos and your pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, I know I told you this in the message too. I was like, I lift up something <laughs> small and I feel like my bones will break. And so now I wanted to to ask about this other side you know people always say that oh christian you're like kind ah! montana because you're like a nurse in the morning and then you're like it's the blonde uh, way. I mean, need social the media way. on the side <laughs> i need to find a way like i need to find one and for you it's like also like an alter ego kind of but it's not because that's both of you at the same time it's kind of veering away from one of your professions as you know an engineer whether in the managerial side or in scientific research professional power lifters an intense sport and athletics where did this come from did this come before oh, it came engineering it came after? from actually mm. it came from working at a desk mm. job for many years and feeling like very frustrated with work and not having a good outlet so i mm. you know i spent a lot of time mm. in different mm. startups in silicon valley and I think there's this like stereotype yeah, that startup yeah. life is very stressful. It's it's true. And so, you know, like I was early in my career, I was at the bottom <laughs> of the totem pole. So you have to deal with a lot of stress that gets passed down from management. Yeah. And I just felt like I had no outlet. But if mm -hmm. I went to the gym and I, I had an insanely hard workout, I always felt better. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. But then what really yeah. got the ball rolling is a week before my 29th birthday, I was working at a pharmaceutical company making fillers and neurotoxin. And I just remember thinking, you mm -hmm. know, I yeah. hate that all I do every day is I wake up and I work in a cubicle. And I don't love this job. And then I just go home and it just feels so mm -hmm. unfulfilling. As I enter the next yeah. decade, as I go into my 30s, it's only more boring and less fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, I want to do, I want to do something yeah. cool with my life. And I just thought like, oh, well, you know, if, if I was a kid, what would I do to spice things up? And I just thought I would enter an athletic competition. Oh my gosh. I'm laughing because in my mind, if that was me, I'm like, I'm kind of bored. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to go to the park or go watch a movie. And you're like, no, I'm going to take on powerlifting and actual intense sport. I mean, coming out of the cubicle and you started going to the gym. I mean, powerlifting is not just the gym. It's an actual lifestyle and there's so much training involved. Where did this transition from, oh, I'm just going to go for exercise and fitness to the gym to like an actual sport and 
Athletics. You know, I think it gave me a really good way to focus myself outside of work. Just, I, you know, I think part of it was I, was, mm. I felt I was at a job I didn't love. So it was really hard to focus. But in yeah. power with me, it was, it was pretty exciting yeah. because it was sport that I'd always been interested in because mm-hmm. I grew up watching those strongman competitions on TV. Mm. And, you know, like growing up in mm. a Asian family, yeah. my parents discouraged yeah. any sports or non-academic activities. So this was like the mm. first time I got to do something mm. that I wanted mm-hmm. to do that really didn't yeah. like it wasn't anything that professionally affected to do or anything my parents wanted me to do it was just it was just for fun right yeah and yeah. it was a really great way yeah. i often wish i had perfect vision there is so much intricacy in life and beauty in the world around me that i often miss because my view can get so blurry though i had glasses for years i opted never to wear them because of the embarrassing indentations and marks they left behind in my face Covery seeks to target this common struggle within the eyewear market. Covery is a 100% AAPI woman-owned inclusive eyewear brand designed for comfort, offering a wide range of sunwear and specs with prescription lens options. With their signature elevated fit that features longer nose pads, a reduced frame curvature, and a narrow nose bridge to elevate the frame, Covery is designed to better complement diverse facial features such as low nose bridges and high cheekbones for an effortless fit. Beyond this, the premium handcrafted frames are made from plant-based acetate and lenses with 100% UV protection. Find your perfect fit with their offers of a home and virtual try-on. With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get $20 off any frame you like on shopcovery.com. See the world's beauty more comfortably with Covery. This offer is valid in one frame per order, cannot be combined with any other offers, and is limited to one use per customer. There are luxuries in life that see beyond material things. Practices like self-care and skincare can be an oasis in the whirlwinds and busyness of life. But what if there exists a harmony between material and immaterial luxuries? House of M Beauty is a saffron-infused luxury skincare line that harnesses the antioxidant, vitamin C-rich, anti-inflammatory, and antibacterial power of the highest quality medicinal-grade saffron. They are a clean treatment skincare line suitable for sensitive and postpartum skin. Their unique and consciously crafted formulations maximize the potency of medicinal saffron to calm and soothe sensitive skin while brightening and targeting skin concerns. From their skin polish, to the miracle serum, to the glow jelly mask, and the silk night concentrate, experience the luxurious transformation saffron can bring to your skin with the code FRANZ20, that's F-R-A-N-Z-2-0, for 20% off your first order on houseofmbeauty.com, also available at Nordstrom Nationwide. As a nurse, I am on my feet, alert for 12 hours or more each day. There is no space for drowsiness or lethargy in my job because my patient's well-being is at stake. Sometimes, you just need the extra energy boost from coffee. Robusta Coffee offers two times more caffeine and antioxidants with 60% less sugar. But did you know that thanks to its climate and fertile volcanic soil, Vietnam is the world's second largest coffee producer and the number one grower of Robusta. Nguyen Coffee Supply is America's first specialty, women-owned Vietnamese coffee company set to change the future of coffee through sustainability, diversity, and inclusion. They only roast coffee beans that are hand-picked at peak ripeness from direct trade Vietnamese farms to produce sweet and flavorful coffee without any additives, flavorings, or oils. Get your own velvety coffee experience for 15% off your order with the code FRANZ15, that's F-R-A-N-Z-1-5, at NguyenCoffeeSupply.com. I think that's also just science, right? Like it's shown that when we work out, hormones are released and things change in the body that's very beneficial to our strength and to our mood and also to our brain, to our mind, right? 
But alongside that, you know, very strength-inducing sports and intense sports, you know, we hear daily cases of like, oh, I broke my bone, I pulled oh, a yeah. muscle. Did you have any fears of like starting an so intense sport? No, I immediately had a coach and I was so, I think I was so timid the first mm. like three years that I was, the first two years I had yeah. every single training session with a coach. So it became very, pretty expensive, mm. but I mm. just didn't mm. trust myself to not hurt myself. Yeah. I can't imagine, right? Like it's, again, right. it's not just like, running in the treadmill or just lifting weights, your whole body is involved and it's like immense amounts of weight on it. What were your aspirations for, you know, I know you had your inspiration, but what was your aspiration for now doing powerlifting? Because again, you're not just powerlifting for fun. You became a professional powerlifter. How did that come about? And you obviously had the, had world records, which we will talk about. Now, when did that transition come from just doing it for fun? I think to, so. When I broke the world record, then, then it became a little easier yeah. to get sponsorships, right? And then with sponsorships, there's always something, mm. you're on the hook for mm. something. And certain sponsors, so yeah. I had like some like performance device companies sponsor me. Mm. So what they expect to see is they want you to mm. break records mm. with your device. So then I was on the hook to break my mm, records. Got it, yeah. I mean, you're a three times, I have it right here, three times all-time world records. And we'll talk about the Titan Games as well. For those who may not know, can you explain what a world record holder mean for a powerlifter? Yeah, sure. So powerlifting I mean, is a weight class sport. Um, the first weight class I competed in was 114 pounds. And then I also competed in 123 pounds. So what this means is in both of those weight classes, at some point, I was the strongest person ever in, in the history of all powerlifter females for that weight class. <laughs> it's like, you don't need X-Men laser anymore. <laughs> like that, that's, that's it. That's that. I mean, wow, that's amazing. And then you're on The Rocks, The Titan Games, which I know about. Can you tell us um, <laughs> well, the journey? The of journey how was more interesting in, than the actual, the actual games because sadly I didn't do that well. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but at, at the time, yeah. when, so NBC <laughs> found me. It was nice. I actually didn't have to audition. They found me because mm, one yeah. of the casting agents knew somebody who knew who I was as a powerlifter and said, Hey, you know, I know you're looking for a woman mm -hmm. for the show. Mm -hmm. This person's very strong and you yeah. know, is a powerlifter. And so then they reached out to me. They mm -hmm. said, do you want to be on the show? And at first I thought, no, I hate reality TV. You know, I'm like, I have no aspirations of being a star at the time. I also worked at Google and I thought, well, I don't want to get fired if I say something stupid on TV. <laughs> but then I thought about it. And a lot of people, including people at Google said, Hey, it could be a good opportunity. You know, it's also, it's reality TV, so just have fun. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going mm -hmm. to be a unique one of, once in a lifetime mm -hmm. experience. We should do it. So, so I did. Yeah. And, you know, I stunk at yeah. it. It was very stressful, but it was indeed a very unique experience. For sure. I mean, I can't imagine. It's not just like right, right. you in front of the mirror. But yeah, it's also the you and the rest of the world watching right? you suck. Watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Still, what an amazing experience. Now, now through all of this, I know you hired a coach from the get-go because obviously you had your fears of such as intense sport, intense activity. For anyone who wants to start in this or even just the general sense of any type of sport, based on your experience, do you think it's mostly just physical training in the body or it's also like oh, it's, the it's mind or is it a I'd mixture say. of both? I have you noticed that, you know, there'll be more mm. records that are fixed for so long, then one person breaks it 10 years later, and mm. then like the next day, everyone else is breaking it, right? I, I think human mm. performance is a mental game. Yeah. Like, um, you know, a lot of it is believing mm -hmm. that you can do it. And you know, that sounds corny, right? But if you notice, mm -hmm. a lot of people perform better when they have training partners who are like either just as good as them or just yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. 
because a lot mm. of it is seeing people who mm. yeah. look like you and who are your peers. You think, oh, that could be me. If this person who yeah. could be me lifts 300 yeah. pounds, I could lift 300 pounds. Right? I think that's how it started. I think for me, the reason I picked powerlifting, I remember my first competition, I looked up, I looked up the numbers that women had lifted um, historically in my weight class. And they all seemed like not that much more than I lifted. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not that much weaker than like these people who compete regularly. Like I looked up the local records and I was like, I'm that not that much weaker yeah. than the strongest person in the state or the country. So you know, this, this is something I can do. And I, I think it's just a lot of it was believing it and then hiring somebody else who was mm -hmm. also believed in me and was dedicated to my success. Yeah, I agree with your sentiment of like, it's a lot of mental. I mean, even, I mean, my sport was not as intense as yours. Yeah. I used to do gymnastics. Oh, I did terrible. I also did dancing. You know, when you're doing like bone breaking mm -hmm. and muscle pulling, things like the splits and stuff like that, it's all mental when you're about to right. start doing a flip, right? Like it's so daunting. But when you're like convincing your mind that, oh yeah, I can do this. It's like, I know how to do this. It's like you end up doing it, right? And you're right about the whole mental state thing. And I want to segue that into later into your book as well. Now, I wanted to ask what powerlifting taught you oh, about so life things. in general. I think I grew up the most the because of powerlifting, yeah. which is funny because I, I started at 30, mm -hmm. right? So I was probably like this immature kid until the day I was 30. Mm -hmm. Maybe I still am. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, mm -hmm. <laughs> growing up with really strict <laughs> Asian parents, a lot of what mm -hmm. the decisions I made in life had a set path. Because, you know, I think your parents will tell you, mm -hmm, pick mm -hmm. something for which the path is known and then follow the path. Do what everyone else does to guarantee yeah. success, right? Yeah. Decent advice. Yeah. So I went to engineering school mm -hmm. and like you mm -hmm. go to engineering school, there's mm -hmm. a program set up. Like they tell you, this is how you're going to be an engineer. And then you go to grad school and you get an advisor mm -hmm. and they tell you, this is what you're going to study. And then you get a job and then yeah. you kind of learn, like you have to yeah. take these steps. Yeah. With powerlifting, there is no, this is mm -hmm. how you be a female powerlifter. Like the sport was so small and so unpopular mm. at the time that if I wanted to do this, I mm. had to do everything myself. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I had to find mm. the right people to help me. I had to, you know, if I couldn't find someone, mm -hmm. I had to mm -hmm. teach myself. There are a lot of mm -hmm. things like I had a powerlifting coach mm -hmm. and she's great. So I was lucky there. But certain things like rehab, nutrition, mm -hmm. I had to teach myself a lot of that stuff. Right. And so I mm -hmm. had to be very, very mm -hmm. independent in my problem mm -hmm. thinking for the first time in my life, because yeah. as a kid in engineering school, yeah. you can't figure it out. You go to your advisor, you go to your TA, you find some online tutorials mm -hmm. or some books, but mm -hmm. there are mm -hmm. no online tutorials or yeah. books or powerlifting. I mean, there weren't like eight years ago. So I'm actually really grateful for the process because for me, it really made mm -hmm. me become very independent, become like a solution-oriented yeah. person. Yeah. It gave me better critical thinking skills. Yeah, and like you said, you yeah. started when you were in your 30s, right? In powerlifting, and it's that... Oh, God, no. I started when everyone retires. I was, you know, like, yeah. 30 is not old for a person, but it is an old fart for an athlete. I was competing mm -hmm. against, like, 24-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you think, let's say, there's another... Yeah girl or another woman out there who just wants to start powerlifting and they're anxious or they're wondering if age is a huge factor well no matter, would be your no, matter what, no matter what age you can always get stronger so if you're mm -hmm. in it to get stronger there yeah. there is no too late mm -hmm. if, if you're in it to be the strongest mm -hmm. person in the world mm -hmm. and you're 60 it's going to be a little harder <laughs> you know you can always improve yourself at any yeah. age yeah yeah and i wanted to ask as we mesh both of these actually very polar worlds a part of you know like in the lab or like under a microscope of the sciences of engineering into kind of a similar sense too of like you know the science of the body and the physical medicine and power lifting do you 
think there comes a point, and I think you answered this earlier, where kind of meshes perfectly together both of your worlds as a biomedical engineer yeah, and I think a so. powerlifter. Yeah, and I think I purposely set myself up for that once I was able to. So I had that job in orthopedics, mm. and then like my next yeah. job was at Google, and we we were mm. working on a lot of physical medicine type of devices, and so that you know taught yeah. me a lot yeah. about powerlifting, and I was able to use the powerlifting like knowledge to augment my experience there. <laughs> at the moment, yeah. now I do nutrition research, so you know it's I, I'm in a mm -hmm. weight class sport, like it's all about nutrition at the end of the day to make weight. Yeah. You know, I'm fine. I still have a night job, yeah. and I still have a day job. They're not quite married yet, but now now the overlap is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And now you share everything that you have experienced and learned in your new book. And again, I am just so amazed at how practical oh, and how nice. so digestible the information was. Like I said, when I was reading the introduction, right? I was like, holy crap, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a power lifter at all or anything in sense for like, how am I going to do these things? But, you know, I came in and I started reading the book and I was like, yeah, oh my I gosh, like a high schooler could read this book. So I wanted to ask like, what was the sure. why behind so I don't know what it was like in New York, but in 2020, when the pandemic hit out of U.S., San Francisco mm. locked down really hard. And I had friends who lived in San Francisco, the mm -hmm. city, who didn't leave their apartments for like a year. And these were, you know, these people were pretty mm. young. They were like in their 30s, decade, yeah. maybe in their 20s. And these are people I know from work and school. And they had never been fat their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly they've been trapped in a house. They're not exercising. Mm -hmm. You know, people are emotionally eating. And then 2021 rolls around. And mm -hmm. everyone's mm -hmm. starting to let out. And I got DMs from a bunch of my friends saying, I gained 30 pounds during the pandemic. I gained 50 pounds during the pandemic. I'm fat for the first time in my life. Help, what do I do? And so I wrote a bunch of my friends mm -hmm. free like meal plans and workout plans to try to help them. And they were all beginners. Like mm -hmm. these aren't gym yeah. people. These are like work friends. And so they would yeah. come back, they would ask questions. Yeah. And I have to make the guides incredibly basic for somebody who has no nutrition or exercise mm -hmm. education. Every time they came back to ask questions, mm -hmm. the document I would send everyone got a little bit more like thick. It got bigger and bigger and it started looking like a booklet. Yeah. And that actually became this book. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's so amazing. And I wanted to read quite a line from the book where you said that this book is not a science or fitness book. This is not a diet book. This is more a synthesized diary of tips and shortcuts. And like you said, it really originated from all these new plans that you were sending to your friends. But when you were like envisioning the, oh, I can make this into a book, how did you write the rest of sure. the book? And I don't, I don't want to give a lot away, but there's graphics where how you do this positioning and this positioning, right? How were you envisioning that, you know, I'm a three times all-time world record power lifter. What was the process of making it basic enough so that the goal yeah. was like even a high school? So I asked it and 10 friends. I asked like the 10 friends who might have ever asked me a workout mm -hmm. question. And I said, if I wrote a book, what would you want to know? Yeah. And you know, everyone had things they wanted mm -hmm. to know. Like some people, yeah. every girl said, I want to learn how to do a pull up. And you know, a lot of guys are like, I want a six pack. Mm -hmm. And then some people were like, what types of supplements should I take? Mm -hmm. Or do I need creatine? And so mm -hmm. that's how I started. And then I just thought, yeah. you know, when I'm in the gym, doing mm -hmm. that, I wish they wanted to do it. And then the mm -hmm. other thing was, really every smart. so often, yeah, yeah, somebody definitely. would tell me, I started this new fad diet. And nothing makes me roll my eyes harder than someone on a fad diet. So I have a whole section about, like, don't do fad diets. <laughs> I was reading. You know, I I am a no, don't do victim it. of that. Yeah, I know. I was a victim of that before. And I mean, even not just dice or just things yeah. like 
not eating at all, you know, and and that you mentioned in your book, you know, steps that we can take, you know, just not just eating, but healthy nutrition, right? And one thing that you also mentioned is the concept of effort, right? It just turned March, we're not too far from just when the new year started. And if there's a one new year resolution, if there's a world record for the most said new year's resolution, I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I'm, I'm going to join healthy. the gym. Oh, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. I don't know if you saw the thing from Equinox in the beginning of the year where they're like, oh, we're not going to offer membership offers to those who are going to start in January because, you know, and it created this whole discourse online of, of people saying, oh, they don't want people who are just making a New Year's resolution or whatnot. The point being is that as the New Year starts, people want to make steps into losing weight or eating healthier and as we all know new year's yeah, resolution I, never really lasts a year right? so it's not even a month yeah not even a month so and you talk about effort and you know all of this starts from the brain first right like oh i want to lose weight i want to eat healthier but then from the mind to the action, there's just right. this like big expanse. There's this chasm of just the sheer inability to actually, you know, execute that effort of the mind to a physical effort. What do you think is the biggest barrier from realizing that mind goal to Well, I've never told you to be lazy, but people pick way too ambitious of goals. Yeah. You know, that's the problem, right? You're like, mm. I'm going to go to the gym mm -hmm. every day for one mm -hmm. hour for the rest of my life. That's like the New Year's resolution, right? But yeah. that's that's not going to happen. Let's be realistic, yeah. right? Yeah. Or it's like, oh, I'm never going to mm -hmm. eat a carb again. So I, I think people should pick smaller mm -hmm. goals. I mean, when I set goals, I don't make, actually make mm -hmm. them that big and sexy. It's like every day I would drink two less sodas if you like sugar, right? Or like, mm -hmm. so my big thing is I'm a big sweet tooth. So I'll mm -hmm. tell myself, mm -hmm. I will only eat like desserts on like Thursday and Friday instead of like every day of the week. <laughs> yeah I, I feel you on that sweet sweet thing and yeah you're right with all yeah you know making those smaller steps and smaller goals that you can yeah make this come true first and then you expand it little by little easy to hit easy also don't that. say I'm going to walk 10,000 steps like mm -hmm. every hour, right? It's like 1,000 steps a day. Yeah. When you start yeah. to hit the goals, then you feel you feel pretty good. Momentum yeah. continues. And if the goals are easy to hit, they start to yeah. become automatic yeah. as they're part of your life. It so if you're like, like I'm going to get off the train right? one station early and, and walk the rest of the way. Like, that's doable. And then that can mm -hmm. become second nature. But you're, you'd never yeah. say, I'm going to yeah. walk two miles yeah. to work every day. Yeah, that's true. Like making right, right. into like digestible steps too, right? Like things that are very realistic on a daily basis or even for like a day's basis. And you mentioned earlier about your friends asking right. like, do I need supplements? Should I do this diet? And when we talk about health and fitness, the first two things that come to people's mind is, oh, healthy eating right. and going to the gym or or walking and running and exercising. But then in your book, you, again, not giving too much away, uh, more of a general term, you introduced several aspects that are part of this whole right. health and fitness yeah. idea, which things like sleep, things like supplements, and even the, like your mental state, right? Do you think it's possible for one to achieve their fitness goals with just one of those factors in an equation or do you think it's a harmony of sleep and diet it gets harder as you exercise get older. but i could see if you were very young as long as mm -hmm. you exercised you'd be okay mm -hmm. right 
And if you're slightly older and maybe disciplined, mm-hmm. as long as you sleep well, then you're, you could be okay if you don't overeat, right? Mm-hmm. But then I, I, I would imagine as you get much, much older, like if you don't move around a lot, you're just, your body mm-hmm. will become more brittle. So I would say, yeah, if you're young, you don't need as much balance. As you get older, balance is kind of important. Yeah, balance is very important for sure. Because, you know, we see this things online where people just yeah. bank on one thing, right? Like, I'm not going to exercise at all, but I will... Yeah. Like do calorie deficit or stuff like that, right? Or I will eat whatever I want. Yeah, and that really works to a point. Like it's really hard to outrun a bad diet. And then if you like if you are in calorie deficit and you don't eat much and you don't exercise at all, that's probably gonna be fine from a fat point of view. Mm -hmm. But I think your bones will get brittle as you get older. You need to move to keep your bones good. Being in scrubs the whole shift and for days at work can sometimes strip you of your sense of fashion and self-expression. But instilling a bit of design and color does not hurt to let your personality shine through your uniform. V Coterie is a leading provider of healthcare jewelry and accessories for playful everyday wear, from pins to badge charms and medical specialty-specific necklaces. With their creative process paralleling the founder's background in dentistry, Vicodery was founded to spark the genius within you, redefining the traditional boundaries for jewelry and accessories. They believe fashion can celebrate curiosity and the pursuit of knowledge while allowing you to express your truest self. From the curious student to a confident clinician or even a kidney transplant survivor, Vicodery is here to celebrate you no matter where the journey takes you. Get 15% off your first order with the code VFRIENDSOFRANCE on vcoterie.com. Find your daily dose of style and make your passion your fashion. As someone with acne-prone skin, I always fear using new moisturizers that may be too heavy on my skin and clog my pores. This is why I love my Aloe Quench by Skin by Anthos, a facial moisturizer made for all skin types, especially for sensitive skin like mine. Made with an oil-free formula using aloe, glycerin, and green tea, it is suitable for acne-prone, oily, or combination skin. Its soothing and paraben-free formula makes it even great for sunburns and patients taking Accutane. Skin by Anthos is the byproduct of the minds and expertise of board-certified dermatology professionals and proud AAPI mothers who saw the need for access to pharmaceutical strength and professional-grade skincare for those with sensitive skin and or skin of color from the safety and convenience of home. Experience a regimen tailored to your skin type that is strong enough to deliver medical-grade results for 20% off with the code FRANCEPODCAST when you order on skinbyanthos.com. The sense of taste is so intriguing. A cascade of good memories can wash over you as you experience a flavor you have met before. Founded by Hannah Bay, Halmi, a loving nickname for grandma in Korean, is a brand of light sparkling beverages that evokes feelings of nostalgia for Koreans and Asians in general, but also curiosity if you are not familiar with certain ingredients and the story behind the flavors. Inspired by traditional Korean flavors through family recipes and made with real fruits and spices, Ami's debut flavor, Cinnamon Ginger Jujube Persimmon, is a sparkling take on Korea's beloved Sujungwa, a sweet and spice punch that has been brewed for generations to aid digestion and is shared during Korea's most festive moments. It's their version of a healthier, lighter ginger ale. With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get 15% off your first order on drinkhalmi.com. Partake in honoring roots, strengthening ancestral connections, and celebrating hyphenated identities with unique, refreshing, and better-for-you ingredients. It being National Nutrition Month, and you're doing nutrition research, 
wanted to pick your brains a little bit on, and you also mentioned about, you know, the irritation for fat diets, people scrolling online, and many of them are teenagers. And as we see through social media and through media outlets itself, especially teenage girls, right, who are subject to the ideals of both body and diet on social media, right? Even if you go down through TikTok and someone's doing a um, what I ate in a day, it always starts with someone's body shot, um, you know, like someone who's very skinny or the modeling industry is the face of what healthy means. As young girls go through social media and it's easy to find misinformation online, which is a big reason why I created this podcast. As someone who has experience in this and is an athlete and is doing nutrition research and has written a new book, which is amazing again, what would be your biggest message to young people especially young girls Um, don't crash diet don't starve yourself and if you don't like your Mm. body stay off the internet because none of that's real yes definitely Mm -hmm. Uh, social media is fake (laughs) things can be things can be photoshopped things Mm -hmm. are photoshopped it's all smoke and mirrors and what you see is not attainable and also it's not worth getting sick over yeah super agree with that and i wanted to ask also because i'm so curious (laughs) Which is the fat diet that you Oh, man, the I mean, most. I think it changes like, every day. But right now, I have a bone to pick yeah. with the keto diet because it's gone so popular in San Francisco. Can we please yeah, okay. talk yes. about this? I wanted to talk about this. For those who may not know, in my younger no! years, I have gone through keto diets because of the things I read online and supposed scientific research on it and have been subject to that and failing after two weeks. <laughs> for those who may not know and for those who are hearing and stumbling about this, who are interested in the keto diet, what is it? Does it work? What are the potential and okay, so the keto diet was keto originally, diet. it was invented for people who are not neurotypical. So I think it was people suffering from epilepsy mm. And some other like major um, mm-hmm. brain conditions. So mm-hmm. everything I'm going to say is for people who are yeah. medically normal, right? If you have epilepsy, don't listen to me. I'm mm-hmm. just a crazy person. But um, for people who are medically normal, the keto <laughs> diet is a diet in which you get 70%, if not more, of your calories from fat. And then about 25 mm-hmm. from protein and very, very little from carbs. So the problem here is, you know, carbs aren't just bread and rice. There are carbs in a lot of things, including vegetables, including fruit, right? So, and then you have to break up your carbs and break up your protein so that you're not eating it all at once. So you want to kind of get complicated. You want to keep your blood sugar as low as possible. So anything that's not fat, you have Mm -hmm. to kind of break up into your day. So there's no big amount of any food Mm -hmm. that's not fat in your stomach. The problem here is fat is actually in of itself, not that nutritious. So, you know, we're active people. Carbs are a great source of quick energy. We need protein to make muscle. So if you're only eating fat, it's, it's going to be really hard to work out. You're not going to make any muscle. Some guy in San Francisco claimed to me that he got buff off the keto diet. I think this is physically impossible because mm-hmm. I don't know where the muscle would be mm-hmm. coming from. And if you don't exercise, also, this yeah. diet is very, very high in saturated fat. So high saturated fat, high triglycerides. I mean, you can you can get like fatty liver disease. You can get mm-hmm. like visceral fat. You know, it's just, it's not very good for you if you're not exercising. It's also just not very good for you, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. and. I would love to bridge onto that because when it comes to also fats and those high saturated fats other than liver and you know adipocele tissue, the cardiovascular system mm-hmm. it takes a huge toll on this. I cannot 
say how many patients I've had in the hospital who had no previous medical history and comes in for a heart attack. And when we ask them their medical history, it's oh no, yeah, anecdotal possibly, but we yeah. have reports of this all around the nation where. You know, just I've read that too. Fat yeah. accumulating I've read that atherosclerosis in itself is, you know, Even like for people who fat. don't appear to be yeah. fat, they have yeah. so much visceral fat that's everywhere inside them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, you're right. Like things like these topics, like this, are so important to be talked about because there's some people who may not be inclined in the sciences who may not know what you know, the scientific basis of right. carbs yeah. are necessary for us to live, right? Our neurons depend on it. It's quick you brain energy food. You from know, it. your brain prefers carbs. It's it can use brain. fat, but it prefers carbs. Yep, our brain is the one organ that uses most of our glucose, right? And you know, stuff like this. And I know we're veering away from our blueprint, but I just wanted to ask the one more thing because when I started promoting our live, I received, I think, like 20 DMs for me to ask you this. It's oh, about yeah. intermittent That's fasting. That's another trendy one. If, okay, if you don't work out and intermittent fasting helps you keep your calories low, that's fine. Like, go ahead and do it, right? But if you work yeah. out, intermittent fasting yeah. is tough because, you know, intermittent fasting, you tend to get very hungry because your stomach is empty for so long. And then when you're working out, that tends to also yeah. make you hungry too. So I find that for a lot of people, yeah. intermittent fasting actually makes them eat more than had they not intermittent fasted. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard because mm -hmm. then you have to modulate between needing energy and feeling hungry all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you are such a breath oh, of knowledge, and I'm so grateful we had this conversation. And you know, it's so amazing because all of that experience and knowledge exactly. is like synthesized in your I'm book. I'm going to quote one more time, everyone. You. It is yes, the right smart, there. simple guide yeah. to a better physique which, again, by Emily Hu. <laughs> yes, which I actually shared to my friends already. And I wanted to ask, like, what is your biggest hope for? your book you know my biggest hope is that nobody tells me it's stupid and it's garbage <laughs> um, i think my biggest hope is that people regular people will tell me it made fitness and nutrition easier and understandable for them yeah yeah i agree because i think when it comes to the internet and in literature as well right like nutrition diet and fitness is a very people complicated so much especially for those who are just starting out there's a lot of extra right. stuff that's included in the information right that leads to fear-mongering that leads to again lots of misinformation people avoid things that are actually necessary for our body because of that you know in books like yours where not only this gives you steps and very practical methods but your book has a lot of explanations of why you say this or that right which is an amazing thing yeah. so i'm so excited for more people to read your book and i wanted to reach out and say how sure people the easiest can get a way to buy it is on book. amazon i have an ebook version and paperback you just look it up my first and last name or the title i would recommend buying the ebook version because it's more environmentally friendly so either way there's a physical version mm -hmm. too that's what you prefer yes i was in the subway and i was reading it on the way to work and one of the last things i always ask my guests is the world has been oh, so yeah. stressful the past few years like you said about with the lockdowns and especially in this accelerated world of social media where there's a lot of conversations about body image and also like people get body conscious and this and that and 
even daily stuff like people are not happy with their work as you were like you said in your cubicle and you found a way to decompress right and find a way to enjoy and get out of that cubicle i'm curious as to now um now that you've had years under your belt of powerlifting and biomedical engineering how do you decompress every day is it is. still but, also you know, for me the way i do not decompress is mm-hmm. by like watching tv or try, I try not to consume too much media mm. because, you know, mm. the power of the pandemic trapped us in our house and we lost our ability to go live life, right? So now right. that life is back, yeah. I, I try to stay off TV and social media and I try to go out and live life. So that's yeah. my way to decompress. So I yeah. live a life. And I love it. And you yeah. also decompress today by speaking to me on this live. So thank you so much. I learned so much and I enjoyed that conversation. Thanks for having me. It was Thank fun. Thank you so much for giving me. Of course, I enjoyed our conversations and I know so many people will learn as well. Emily. Thank you so much. Thanks. I hope you have a great rest of the day. <laughs> and everyone, get her All book. Right. I'm going to post the link Thank on you. my stories. All right. yeah. Bye, everyone.